Welcome back to the peripheral and happy new year. We all have our new year's resolutions. What is a resolution? It's something you want to change about your life, yourself, something you want to do differently. Maybe it's seeing the world in a better light. Maybe it's doing something for yourself, setting a boundary, exercising, eating better, or stopping a bad habit. But all of those things are a transition. All of those things are a conscious decision that you want to make to be more true to yourself. On today's episode, I speak with Holden, who's somebody who knew they were in the wrong body from a young age. They've been a huge fan of the show for a long time, and I promised them that I would tell their story. And we finally got around to doing it, but it took me a long time to get the episode out, so apologies for that. But uh, it was a wonderful conversation. We talk about gender dysphoria. We talk about gay marriage. We talk about a lot of topics here. And without further ado, here's Holden. Uh, my name is Holden J. Casey, and I am officially what used to be called a non-transitional female to male trans person. They don't really use that designation much anymore female to male you know they don't use that much anymore but i am officially medically a person with gender dysphoria who cannot transition oh. why don't they use that term anymore uh, because female to male or male to female implies you were born female and you want to become a male. Now we are more, you were all, you're already male. You're in a female body, you know, okay. but uh, you are still male. Okay. Got it. And when you were growing up, I guess, mm -hmm. how did, how did you feel like at what point were you thinking, Hey, something's different for me than the rest of the world. I remember in puberty, I, I was raised Catholic, and we went to church every Saturday night. You know, you could go on Sunday, but our church went Saturday night. And I remember being about 12 and praying God would change me into a boy. I mean, I prayed that for years. Mm -hmm. And when I, I was I grew up in the 90s and in a very small rural town. There's a word I can't say, rural. Yeah. <laughs> And it's a word I'll probably have to say quite often. So that's wonderful. Um, I didn't even know the word for transgender. I'm sure, you know, if you lived in a city, you would have heard it, but I'd never heard the word transgender. So I didn't, you know, I didn't call myself transgender because I didn't know what that was. Now, it's kind of funny because my mom used to tell a story when me and my sister were little kids. Apparently, I told the mailman I was a boy and my name was Skipper. I don't know why I picked the name Skipper, and I don't remember doing that. And since I've come out, my mom don't tell that story anymore. That's kind of strange, isn't it? But I would say definitely puberty. When I started getting breast and getting a period, I definitely knew that was not right for me. You know, I, I knew I was male. I always graduated towards feeling masculine. But yet I'm an extremely feminine person. See, when I introduced myself, I said I was non-transitional. And that's one of the reasons why I'm extremely feminine. 
people say the difference in sex and gender, the simplest way to think of it is sex is what's between your legs, gender is everything else. What's weird about that is my gender then is female. I love dresses. I love costume jewelry. I like makeup, even though I'm terrible at putting it on. I like things that in our society is considered genderly. Genderly is probably not a word. Yeah. It is now because I said it. Um, <laughs> I like things that would be considered female. I don't want to go mow the lawn and be the breadwinner and who be the masculine man, work out all day. I always sit with the gay guys and cross my legs and say, yas queen, because I feel I know I am a gay man. And it, it, how do you explain that to someone? That's I have never met another transgender person like myself. I've met other quote unquote female to male transgender people and every one of them want to pass as a male they want to be seen as as a male they want to have the facial hair they want to have the muscles they want to wear the pants i tell people i was the world's youngest drag queen i love skirts i love prom dresses if it was up to me i'd wear a corset and a prom dress every day yeah. I mean, if I could get away with it, oh my gosh, I would look like I should be on the drag race all the time. <laughs> so why, why do I want to be a man? I can't tell you. I only know that that's who I am. I am every bit the man you are, just not as straight as you are. It's sounds like you don't want to be, you just are. I just know. am. Yeah. 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 And, you know, you have to have a doctor sign off on it. How do you explain to a doctor? Originally, historically, to have a sex change, they really weren't thinking of trans people. They didn't have a word for it when it first started. It was really to make gay men straight. You know, they said, well, if you're gay, you're attracted, you're a man attracted to men. That's who they thought of first. They thought if we make you a woman, then you'll be a straight woman. So that's why we have to go through so many doctors and have the gender dysphoria. It's began to evolve, but that's what it historically was, was to make gay men into straight women. So that was why when I was going through the gender therapy, I couldn't get anyone signed off on it. Why change your gender if you're still going, why change your sex if you're still going to be the same gender you are? Yeah, if you are passing as female or you know they're they're looking and thinking what what are you doing or what can we do for you and it's also unfortunately a safety thing a straight woman has dangers in our society that there's no way around it women are at danger in our society and so are gay men there's lots of gay bashing it would be, I would be safer passing as a straight woman than I would as a flamboyant gay man. I mean, as a woman, I walking down the street at night is dangerous. There's, there's no way around it. We need to fa- fix that, but that would be a different conversation. However, a woman walking down the street is safer than an extremely flamboyant, which I am, gay man. In my area, a gay man as flamboyant as I am 
is quote unquote asking to yeah. be gay based. When I grew up, I mean, I I was, you know, I'm 46 now, so uh, definitely child of the 80s and 90s, but Me too. It, that was a different time. And I remember I had a, a friend, he wasn't gay. He just was like an art student who was very feminine and flamboyant, but he was actually straight and mm-hmm. he he was attacked outside of a bar and essentially a gay bashing attack. They thought he was gay and three guys stomped on him until his skull cracked open. And, oh and, and like, that's the environment I kind of grew up in. It's really hard to think about when people are so hateful today. Cause I'm like, I thought we got past this. I thought, I thought things were getting better. And uh, you know, from the time I grew up, but it's, it, it's still rough. I don't know. Have you seen any change at all? I've seen a lot of change towards gay people, but there's right now we're in a terrible backlash against trans people. Um, have you seen the new Bud Light commercials with, um, I believe her name, we were just talking about being older. I'm not a TikTok person. I believe her name is Dylan Mulvaney, and they put her face on um, the Bud Light cans and they sent it to her and she was telling everyone how excited she was and now you have all over tiktok and youtube these people taking bud light cans and shooting them i mean that's that's terrifying you know i mean because they're not just shooting beer cans they're shooting an image of this woman's face just because she's trans we were talking you know, I know uh, we were talking on the messenger earlier about J.K. Rowling. Mm-hmm. That's what scares me. I know she's not advocating for that. I realize she is not advocating for that. But when you exclude trans people, that's what's going to happen. You know, when you treat them as lesser, things are going to happen. They're going to get killed. It's the dehumanization that people do today. Something I wanted to ask about the the term and the, you know, I guess the diagnosis of gender dysphoria, is that mm-hmm. is that a controversial thing within the trans community? To me, it's not. I understand some people don't like it because that makes it saying you have a mental disorder. You know, um, it is in the handbook of mental disorders. To me, I think it's kind of a good thing to have because it slows down the process of transitioning a little, but it doesn't it doesn't stop it. Right now, so many people are saying they are giving sex changes to children, you know, you're and they make it sound like your kindergartner is going to be able to transition. And that's just untrue. You know, I don't believe there's any doctor out there who's going to let a five-year-old transition, you know, but I think gender dysphoria is not necessarily a bad diagnosis because it lets you go through, for one, your insurance will pay for it. We live in a country where you need your insurance to pay for it, you know, and that that does help. That helps a lot of people that couldn't afford to go to the doctor start getting help because their insurance will then pay for it. 
that's a whole nother discussion also the american <laughs> system. We, we can spend another you know hours speaking about that but we won't let's not get started on that one. <laughs> oh goodness sakes we'd we'd never get done if we had to talk about the american health care system but also it gives you options because then you can maybe experiment with your gender. Maybe you will find out you are trans, you want the surgery, you need it, you get the puberty blockers, you get the surgery, that's good. But it also let, gives you time to experience the other gender. Maybe you're non-binary, maybe you're neither, maybe you're cisgender and we'll just, you know, experience, you know. How many times can I say you know? Maybe <laughs> Maybe you just needed, you know, a chance to experiment for a while. I personally have no problem with the diagnosis of gender dysphoria. Some people do, some people don't. To me, that's that's a non-issue. Yeah, I guess it's just the taboo of it's a mm-hmm. mental illness. And right. People, and they don't right. like that. But I have terrible ADHD. I had mm-hmm. to get a diagnosis for that in order to get help. I can't just go to a doctor and say, I have this thing, give me drugs. I have this thing, do this surgery. I have to go through some, I guess, process. And me, of course, I'm not going to think just because you have a mental illness or something to that effect, that that's a knock against anyone. Uh, But I I can see where the taboo or the stigma comes in for some people. I want to say to your point, that if I had been able to articulate it better, you you did a really good job. Having a diagnosis of gender dysphoria is helpful for someone like me. I told you when I was young, we didn't have the word gender dysphoria. We didn't have the word transgender. I had no idea what I was going through. No idea anyone else in the world had ever experienced this. It's hard to explain why, if I love female things, do I know I'm a man? Even though gender dysphoria puts us in a box, as people say, and we should all be outside of the box. We don't need labels. Yeah. Sometimes help it, having a label helps. I can explain it. I can tell you, oh, I have gender dysphoria. Then not only does it clarify it for you, what's going on with me, it clarifies it for me. I can feel like I'm not alone. Other people are experiencing this. I'm not the only 12-year-old out there praying every every night before I go to sleep that God will somehow magically turn me into a male. Other people are experiencing this as well. I am not completely alone. Yeah, and, and it does help. I mean, for even me, when... I literally thought I was losing my mind after a few years. And then when finally I was, I, when I grew up, ADHD wasn't a thing either. It wasn't a term. Um, And this is a terrible comparison. I'm not trying to compare ADHD to gender dysphoria, but, but the label or the idea of, no, this is what you have. It was a relief for me to be like, Oh, we already know about this thing and there is treatment for it. So I can seek help. And yeah, you, you know that there's an answer. It, just, it, it lifts a weight off of you yeah. knowing that there's an answer that you are not alone. Yeah. There's another uh, term out there that uh, I know me and you don't exactly see eye to eye on, but we're probably both from the same generation, but the term queer. 
I grew up in a time where there was a horrible game called Smear the Queer. And, oh, <laughs> and, and it was, it started in grade school where whoever had the ball would then be violently attacked by all the other kids. Yeah. And to this day, I don't like saying the word because it was absolutely derogatory and horrible my entire childhood. But what, what's, what's up with the word now? <laughs> well, there are still people who don't like the word queer. I like the word queer because it explains who I am perfectly. It's a very queer state of being <laughs> you know, to, yeah. be, to be stuck between genders. I'm not non-binary. There are many people out there who are non-binary, and that's wonderful, but that's not me. So say, being able to say, hey, I'm queer, to me, it's empowering. It's empowering. Yeah. <laughs> that, was a, that was a blip. Cut that nasty... I'm from Beitaville, Kentucky, so well, yeah, I got an accent. If you haven't noticed, <laughs> a little um, bit of a draw. <laughs> and sadly, I had speech classes for years. This is as good as it's going to get, too. Isn't that sad? Aww. And well, I'll say something else, and you can cut this too because it has nothing to do with our discussion. Yeah. When I'm talking to you, I don't know how I sound to you, but I am actually physically lowering my voice. Because, oh. yeah, so yeah, I, I know you're you're probably with the Q-tip or cotton ball going, oh, my ears are bleeding. How can no. this person walk? You know, no. I'll listen to myself on recordings and I'm like, God, how do I have friends? How does anyone <laughs> put up with me? But, okay, I'll get back to your question now. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> I personally don't like LGBTQ plus because to me, for one, it's a mouthful. Mm. And for two, it any the more letters you put in, the more obvious it is the ones you're leaving out. Yeah. Um, at first, of course, it started with just LBGT, mm -hmm. and the T was always at the end. The trans people were always last. Then there was a small movement to be just LGB and T because the diff there's a difference in being gay, your sexual orientation, and being trans. And I'm like, well, that's great. You know, we finally found our spot. And they're trying to push us out, you know, I mean, so I don't like it because I'm like, well, you know, LGBTQ plus, what about all the orientations you're leaving out? I like queer because I feel like it's more inclusive and I feel like I'm reclaiming the word, you know, that game you were talking about that was to bash us. I'm using it as an empowerment, you know, statement. This is who I am. Yes, I'm here. I'm queer and I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. And that's, and that's my, it's the struggle because I don't want to exclude anyone. I want to be inclusive, but it's hard to shift your mindset about something that you knew was terrible. And, it was so terrible. Right. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's a divide in the queer or LGBT community, you know, I mean, some people love it. Some people are like me and want to take back the word and say, this is our word. This is who we are. And there are other people that are like, no, when I went to gay clubs, there would be groups of people shouting at the, at me, you know, you're going to hell, queer. We don't want you here, queer. I don't want to hear that word. So usually when I speak to other members of the group, I tell them my word is queer. I'm going to use that. If you don't want me to, if you want me to refer to you as LGBT, 
that's fine. I'll do my best, you know, yeah, and yeah. I give people permission. I mean, I'll tell you, I'll give you permission. We're, we're in the same, you know, we're in the same group. We talk to each other. Yeah. If you say call me the a cross-dressing faggot, you can, you know, <laughs> no. I call myself a cross-dressing faggot, you know, that's who I am. I don't want someone shouting it on the street at me. Context matters. And I mean, I, when I was. I, I told her she could call me that. And she looked appalled like, why would I ever do that? You know, but I'm like, I don't care. Do it. Tell them your best friends are cross-dressing faggot. I don't care. And it, you're right. Context matters. Yeah. I mean, I when I was a teenager, I had really long hair. I dressed <laughs> like a, a skate punk, as they called it. And I sometimes I would dye my hair different colors. Uh, I had friends with mohawks. Um, you know, we were definitely a, a counterculture sort of element. <laughs> and I and people would would call us stupid skater facts. And they would <laughs> they would put that word in there when they would insult us. And so it was always all those words I just never wanted to ever say to anybody because I never wanted to make anyone else feel the way somebody made me feel. And right. You know, right. But yeah, so I'm understanding now that uh, queer or the Q and the LGBTQ is uh, far more acceptable these days. <laughs> and uh, most people I know use it very openly in, in a positive context and not a negative one. So I'm getting over my little hang up about it. I mean, I can understand that you don't feel like it's your place to yeah. use it. You know, I mean, every every culture and every subculture has their own slang and we just sometimes don't feel like it's appropriate you know for for us to use and that's okay yeah. i i think if it makes you feel better to say lgbt then that's what you ought to continue you know to say no one who would meet you who would not think you're an ally we know yeah. you know everybody i know would know that you're an ally when it comes to how the LGBT community views others. Uh, so you, you'd mentioned earlier, like the T, the trans was always last. Could you give me a little bit of insight into how gays, lesbians, and trans view each other within the community? I think there's definitely, as far as I've seen, kind of a split between trans and gay and i don't just mean you know gay people have is a sexual orientation trans people you know it's a gender identity i do sort of feel like trans people are kind of pushed out of the lgbt or queer yeah. community or not necessarily pushed out i'd say considered lesser but i do also think that's because it's the quote unquote hip new thing you know i mean people understand being gay of course being gay and being trans has been around since the bc times but we didn't have words for it we it wasn't acceptable then came the sexual revolution in the 60s and 70s more people were starting to understand sexuality and not everybody liked gay people it took a long time to be gay to be acceptable but it's getting a lot closer now this gender identity is the new kid on the block and even in the in the gay community, it's still kind of 
still kind of iffy. We're not quite sure where to put trans people right now, you know. Um, they, to me, and this is just my experience, other people may have had wonderful experience, and I hope they have. Yeah. I think that they just don't quite know what to do with trans people yet. Yeah. And I also want to clarify, this was my experience when I was at uni, and when I was in my early 20s and getting to be my 30s from there, I've gotten old and homebody. I'm kind of shaking my cane at people yelling, get off my lawn. <laughs> I'm not I'm not as in it now as I was then. I'm more online now. And yeah. when I actually interacted with people, I did kind of see there was definitely a hierarchy. One time I was at a pride meeting and I'll preface this by saying I think part of it is also gender isn't necessarily something we think about as often. I was at a pride meeting one day, and it just so happened that everyone who was female was on one side of the table and everyone who was male was on the other. We hadn't planned it that way. It was just Everybody had sat that way, and our our pride um, advisor commented on it. She's like, "Look at this! We've segregated ourselves into male and female." <laughs> and so I was just sitting there on the female side, and I said, "No, we haven't." And she looked at me for a second, and her face turned bright red. She was so embarrassed. I hadn't meant to do it, yeah. but it was just you know something she'd never thought about. You know that not all of us present the way we are or the way we look you know yeah. we hadn't actually separate segregated ourselves by sex yeah. or by gender because i was sitting with the women <laughs> instead of instead of with the men that sort of thing happens more often and i wish we had different language i wish language was more inclusive i have a friend who i love she is a great girl um and one time, me, my best friend, her, and a couple of my best friend's sisters were all just hanging out. You know, we were having a good time, laughing, having fun. And we don't get to see each other that much anymore because we all live different places and gas is so high. And, you know, when we were getting ready to leave, she's like, this is so great. Oh, we should have a girls' night out sometime. And for a moment, I just froze. Because she did not mean to not include me. Yeah. But for a split second, I just felt like she was saying, well, this is great. It'd be even more fun if Holden wasn't here. And that's the intent. It's always you have to stop yourself and try to understand what was this person's intention. And she, she, I, she, she, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she absolutely didn't mean this would be so much better if Holden wasn't here, if it was only us girls. Because she thinks of me as a girl. I look like a girl. I have the same, I keep using the word girl. I suppose I should use woman. I'm in my 40s. <laughs> um, and we share the same birthday too, which is hilarious. <laughs> in group, there's like four of us with that same birthday. You yeah. know? So I'm just like, that is crazy. That That is wild. But I have the same issues women have i have cramps i have my period i struggle to find clothes that fit over my childbearing hips but that doesn't make me a woman but our language does and it doesn't help 
when people like me myself will go whoa girl what did you just do and i'm like i want other people to see me as a man and i just called myself a girl <laughs> you know it, it, that doesn't help and i'll tell you one thing i have started doing several years ago you know me i am crazy over my cats yeah. i've pretty much taken gender out i'll be like oh look at that kitten isn't he a pretty kitten talking about people <laughs> i'm just like nobody is male nobody's female you're all kittens from now on <laughs> see my best friend is a cisgendered straight woman mm -hmm. she's never had any gender issues in her life she's knows she's a woman she's cisgendered she knows that and yet between the two of us she's the most masculine one there is she can cook and clean and do her hair and then turn around and go change her oil as far as gender goes she could be either but she knows she's a cisgendered woman. Mm. I think it's kind of funny. One time I was speaking to a friend and they were lifting something heavy and she couldn't pick it up. And she was like, Oh, I need a man to help me. And I said, I'm right here. And she looked at me and she said, no, I mean a real man. Go get Claire. Oh, <laughs> I, was like, oh man. I know I'm a pathetic man. Oh, <laughs> Man, I could use some testosterone. I'm pathetic as a guy. <laughs> Do you think you're a product of your generation? I think I am partly a product of the way I was raised. I was raised Catholic. My sister had severe OCD, and that, that caused a lot of problems. And I think I am just flamboyantly gay. I have known several other gay men who are extremely stereotypical. I just think I would have been one of them. That's just, that's part of who I am. You know, I mean, stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason. Not everybody in that group is like that, but there are some in every group who fit the stereotype and <laughs> I'd be one of them. Yeah. I am oh. Jack from Will and Grace. <laughs> How have your relationships been over your life? Uh, do you mean that like interpersonal relationships, like with family, or do you mean like with like sexual partners? Well, both, both. Well, I am currently single and I have been single for a long time and I, I'm not asexual, but I probably will be single for the rest of my life. And that's because I can't transition and I am attracted to gay men and most men are not looking for a man with boobs. Let's be honest. Most men that are attracted to men are looking for the, you know, that flat chest and um, I don't know, a penis and I don't have one. So mm. I have the odd feeling it's going to be a long, lonely life in that respect, but that's okay. I was married for a while. I ended up divorced because my depression got out of control and I have bad OCD, and I knew if I ever look him up online, I will not stop looking him up online, so I don't know where he is today. We parted amicably, no fights or anything, but if I had to guess, I think I was a stepping stone to him either being gay or bisexual. He used to tell me he liked being with a boy with a vagina. I found the one man who wanted to be with a man with a vagina, so... Yeah that's over and that's okay that you know that's in the past that's 10 years and we parted amicably i wish him well don't want to see him but i do wish him well now 
as to personal relationships with my family, I come out to my best friend first. She was the first person I ever actually told. And it's kind of funny. We were in college and acting like silly doofuses. We were jumping on the bed, which we shouldn't have been doing. And I just st started going, you know what? I want to be a boy. I want to be a boy. I want to be a boy. And she was like, yeah. And I finally, I sat down and I said, is that it? And she's like, yeah. I said, you knew? She was like, in high school, you signed letters. You know, when you pass notes, you'd sign them from Holden. We all knew you were different, you know? I mean, because I would. When I chose the name Holden in high school, I started signing letters. She's never had a problem with it. You know, she has always, always encouraged me, always been there, been there for me. I love her to death. A detective came and knocked on the door. And I said, is it Renee? And he just gave me that solemn look. It was the worst day ever. The Proof Podcast is back with a new case and a new season. 23 years ago, 18-year-old Renee Ramos went missing. Her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town. I don't think that they arrested the right people. It's about time somebody's trying to do something. She had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered. They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof wherever you get your podcasts. And follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee? American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. I have a dear friend named Andy and uh, through high school, I mean, he was he was on the wrestling team. He drove a big blue pickup truck. He listened to Garth Brooks, but I always knew he was gay. And then he started dating older men. <laughs> and, and then like, I ran into him 10 years later and he goes, Oh, I just want to tell you, um, just in case you, you know, you didn't know I'm gay. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> you were dating guys in high school. Like I always knew there was never a problem. Right. The two guys I crushed on real hard in high school ended up dating each other for a while. So <laughs> there's that. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest with you. I don't know that my dad knows. I don't talk to my dad about things like that. Mm -hmm. um, when I came out to my, well, I came out to my sister 
because we were talking and I at the time I didn't have a close relationship with her. I have a much better relationship now. I like to write and I wrote a book about it used different characters and it's not I biographic completely biographical but a lot of it is and i wrote a lot of my anger out and we have a much better relationship now but about probably 15 years ago or something now she was talking about going to a fancy party and getting this dress and she said i love being a girl don't you and i said no i don't and that was when i came out to her and when i said i want to be a boy she said don't tell mom i said okay the next day i got a call from my mom your sister said you had something to tell me she didn't want me to tell her so she could be the first i gave this i don't know so my mom then she said you're not we didn't have the word trans you know she's like you don't want to be a boy you're a lesbian I'm like, oh, I'm a lesbian. Well, that sure helped. I wish you told me that years ago. That would have saved pain. She's like, you're a lesbian. You're in love with Claire, my best friend. And I'm like, I'm not, though. I love her. I'm not in love with her. I'm not attracted to women. And she's like, you are not male. You've never acted like a male. You've never wanted to be a male. And I couldn't back then. That was before I started my gender journey i couldn't explain it to her because she was right i had never acted like a male i'd never went out for sports i'd never hung out with guys i had a closet full of skirts i had jewelry boxes of everything players ever sold that little store in the mall you know everything they ever sold i had one of and when I was in college, I went to a therapist and started looking into it. And that's a, where I eventually learned I, could, I couldn't transition. Things might be different now. I haven't tried in years because I can't afford to. I mean, if they signed off on it tomorrow, I couldn't afford to transition. But my money issues are a whole different story. But it was interesting. And even as someone... If you're not trans, it's interesting to go through the process. I'm not saying, you know, cisgender people should, you know, I'm not saying take over, you know, go to the therapist, see, but it's interesting because you learn things about how society sees gender that you never thought of before, because they taught us how to be the other gender. I talk with my hands. This whole time we've been talking, if you could see me, I am doing the flippy hands you see gay people do. You know, I have did this. I they taught me to sit on my hands so I wouldn't do that. They taught me to sit with my legs spread to take up space because men take up space. Women are taught not to. They taught me how to lower my voice, and this is the best it got. Isn't that sad? And then the women in my class who were born um, born male and wanted to transition, it was interesting to see them because you don't realize how society oppresses women until you see, quote unquote, a man trying to be a woman. It was really eye opening how they taught them to not take up space, how, you know, they taught them to lower their eyes when they're talking because it would make it easier to pass. Wow. 
Wow. (laughs) You don't realize how society oppresses women until you see that. I I had no idea that that was, there was, I don't know, an instruction, a, this is how you do it kind of, uh, thing like i i had no clue because obviously you know it's there's just something that i would personally never go through so i would never know and most people wouldn't know that but it's very telling you explain it how how we have gender roles in our society that's how my group did it was you know that they taught us pretty much how society sees men how society sees women and you know it will make it easier to pass if you do this. For me, people don't mean to teach their little girls to be more passive, but they do when they say, look at my big, strong boy, look at my pretty little girl. I was watching a TikTok the other day and it was showing the size difference in boys' clothes and girls' clothes. And girls' clothes is made to be tighter and show off their bodies when they're little, because that's just the way they're made as to where boys' colos were big and floppy at the same age because boys are taught it's okay to roughhouse where girls are taught sit like a lady. And until puberty, there's no size difference between males and females except for a very teeny tiny bit. I think there's like an inch of height difference. But, I mean, oh, with the clothes... Clothes for a three-year-old girl was smaller than a six-month-old boy's outfit. And it's so hard because in today's world, I'm like, I want clothes that fit and nothing fits, especially when I'm six foot three. So everything's huge and baggy. And I'm like, can I just get like a fitted jacket, something that looks good and stylish? Because it doesn't exist for men. It's all cargo shorts and (laughs) t-shirts. So you think? buying clothes for men is hard because you're six <laughs> well it's i won't say that it's harder for me than it is for women or anyone else i'm saying i don't have a lot of options i just get what i get <laughs> i put three man and trying to find some clothes yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing i like women's clothes i'm shopping in the boys section <laughs> yeah Oh, shoes are terrible. I can't find I can't find unisex shoes for anything that, yeah. that fits. I, I'm not saying it's hard. I'm just saying that I feel like I don't have any options. I walk into a, a, a department yeah. store and 90% of it is women's clothes. And then you have like one rack of men's shoes and t-shirts. And I'm like, okay, my, my shopping <laughs> event is over in about 15 seconds. Goodness, I'm just teasing you. I'm just, I'm just teasing you. <laughs> Another term I wanted to bring up, and I've luckily with time now, all I've heard, I've I've only heard the term cis used in a educational or you know just kind of an identifying way. But about five six years ago, cis gender or cis was it almost turned into its own derogatory term for a while. Like every time I heard it, it was like, well, you're just a cisgendered individual, so I can disregard you or your opinion. It was kind of weird to me because I'm like, I thought we were trying to be inclusive here, but now this term has been kind of used against people. And I think those days are over now, but like, why are you saying it in that tone, that connotation, that way? And it was always a you know, the uh, intention mattered. I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. Well, um, I pretty much, by the time cisgender was a big thing, you know, what you're talking about, I know what you mean, but um, 
we didn't really use it when I was in pride in pride groups as much. But the same thing happened with the word ally. It was like we need allies because there's less gay people in the world. Laws aren't going to change. If every gay person voted on gay marriage when it was illegal, it would never be passed because there's just simply not enough people. You know, we have to have allies, but they would use it sometimes as a derogatory term. Like, you know, this is our group and you're on the outside because you're just an ally. And to me, it's wrong. You know, I mean, to ally isn't a sexual orientation but there is a, a book for young people and i can't remember the who wrote it but it's called george i think they're fifth graders in the book and they've started a little pride organization and their teacher tells them all state your name or you know the name you want to use and if you're comfortable with it state your orientation and there's you know some of the kids are saying my name is jack and i'm gay or you know my name's sandra and i think i'm a lesbian and this one girl she's like my name is pam and i'm an ally and they kind of jump on her you know they're like oh well ally is a distinction it's not a sexual orientation and reading that book that made me so angry because i love allies i would not be alive and i am not exaggerating if it wasn't for my best friend claire i would be dead now we need our allies we don't need to push them away and say hey you're in a separate group we like you but we like you over there that's what we've been fighting against isn't it isn't inclusion what we've been wanting? Why separate ourselves out? Why? It's nice to have spaces just for gay people. It's nice to have spaces just for trans people. Yeah. But for God's sake, let's not act like anyone is lesser or we don't need them or be an ally is great. Just not great enough. It would be so fantastic if you were gay, but you're not so you just sit over here for god's sake people let's not do that let's be the inclusive let's not kick anyone out of our group now that we finally have a group yeah you embodied what i was trying to ask perfectly because it was always i need something perfectly i've been trying i've been trying to embody you know <laughs> i've been in the wrong body for years and i finally embodied something perfectly i'm sorry that just cracked me up <laughs> oh thank you sorry <laughs> You're perfect the way you are and the way you see yourself. <laughs> because I'm not quite sure. I am definitely queer. Yeah. <laughs> even as, even not meaning gay, even just meaning strange and weird, I am certainly queer. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, I just, uh, that's, that's the thing is I've always, when I was a teenager, I was kind of alienated because I was a skater and then I hung out with the dregs of society, whether that was the, the nerdy kids, the gay kids, the, you know, whatever kids, like we all were just sort of the losers off to the side. <laughs> I was part of that loser group and I never wanted anyone to ever feel that way. So I was always very non-judgmental and very accepting. And every now and then it was just kind of disappointing to me when I would be trying to be supportive to other people and then get kind of a, 
a, you know, a, I, I don't need you as my ally. I don't need you to speak up for me. And it's like, okay, well, that's fine. I'm going to keep doing my thing. I'm going to keep, you know, trying to highlight these issues and try to keep being a good person, but I'll just avoid you because you don't appreciate my help. <laughs> right. It's, it's like, I still support you. I'm going to support you and what you do but I'm going to support you over here because you personally are toxic. You know, yeah, yeah. And- you don't represent your whole group, but I am going to support you from afar. Yeah. I have met quite a few people. I've wanted to say that too. That's how I've always been, I guess. I mean, it, you know, you grew up in a, in a far more rural and uh, religious area that I did, but mm-hmm. even growing up, I, you know, I had friends that were Christian. I had friends that were Jewish. And as long as you're not judging me for not being Christian or not being Jewish, I don't care what you believe in. I don't care how you see the world. As long as you don't try to persecute me for my beliefs, I'm not going to persecute you for yours. Well, I mean, I don't know if I am spiritual, but I am not religious. But I don't have a problem with anyone, no matter what their spiritual philosophy or religion is as long as they are a good person at heart and as long as you're a consenting adult and doing whatever you want with other consenting adults not my business might not be something i want to do myself but have at it you know i mean as long as at heart you're a good person and you're not hurting anyone fine with me go about your life i'll just sit over here with my cats (laughs) I, I, i might be crossing a line here but it's like pineapple on pizza you know it's not for everybody but you do you it's for me though i love pineapple on pizza Uh i'm gonna get hate mail for that one (laughs) so when you were growing up i mean obviously you've already stated that you transgender wasn't even a term yet a term but it wasn't one i had ever heard you know we had barely i barely knew what gay people was until i heard rent the rock opera musical Mm -hmm. in fact i was talking to my sister about this the other day that's when i realized i was queer was i was listening to rent and i'm like "Uh aha i get it now you know so i never heard the word trans not till i went to college I know there's a hundred different labels now, but when I was growing up and especially I I lived in uh, Hollywood for a while, it was cross-dresser. That was the term, cross-dresser. And and transvestite, which we don't use any anymore either. Yeah. Cross-dresser is really more of a fetish thing. Mm -hmm. It's things that, you know, somebody might do in the privacy of his own home for sexual release, you know, and then trans is someone who actually feels like that. That's sort of faded out. I remember the first time I ever saw someone who was um, a man in drag. He was a sex worker. I didn't know that at the time because I was a kid and me and my best friend and her sisters and our parents, because we were probably early high school, probably freshmen at most. We went to see either NSYNC or Backstreet Boys. I'm a teeny (laughs) bopper. Yep. And to get to the venue from our hotel, there was this large bridge we had to pass. And there was a transsexual sex worker 
doing their business. They were waiting on a customer, and I did. I didn't know that. I was a kid. It's the first time I'd ever seen a, a man in a dress, yeah. and my eyes bugged out, and I just looked at him because to me, that was the best thing I'd ever seen. <laughs> you didn't see that in Batable. There are people like this out here. Of course, my mom is grabbing me by the hand. She's like, your eyes back in your head. Quit being from Batable, Kentucky. You know, she thinks I'm just staring because there's a man in a dress. But it was a revelation to me. I didn't tell anybody how amazed I was, but I just was. This was something you could do. Nobody ever told me you could do that. You know, men are men, women are women. And here was this person not just totally not being that and i'm just it was it was a revelation i cannot explain how it felt to realize that gender and sex aren't necessarily what we're told there is more than i ever knew out there yeah it's that pure rebellious expression of i don't care what society says i'm gonna do my own thing (laughs) exactly and you don't realize how much cisgender and straight is pushed on us because we we don't think about it. Right now, there is every time a Disney movie puts out a movie and there's a two-second kiss, it's all over the news. Yeah. They're, they're remaking The Little Mermaid, and that was always my favorite one. I'm so excited for the remake because that was always my favorite one. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Ariel is straight, but would you ever think about that? No, because it's so ingrained. Obviously, the princess gets with the prince. Yeah. We don't. It never even occurs to us. People say they shouldn't put sexuality in kids' movies. There doesn't need to be a lesbian kiss. Which movie was it? Buzz Buzz Year, I think it yeah. was. Light Year. That's yeah. what it is because he's Buzz Light Year. There was a two-second lesbian kiss. They don't need that kind of thing. We don't need sexuality in kids' movies. There's already sexuality in kids' movies, but you don't notice it because it's there all the time and it's ingrained in us to think that's the way it should be. Ariel falls in love with the prince. That's sexuality. I mean, she has a movie where she has a baby in the in the sequel. Let's admit it. She had sex with the prince because she had a baby. We don't consider sexuality. I have to say that like there were, I mean, being a child of the 80s, I... I grew up watching, mm-hmm. you know, G.I. Joe, Robotech and and He-Man. I mean, He-Man, when I go back and watch that, I'm like, that's the most homoerotic, you know, cartoon I've ever seen in my entire life. In the cartoon, oh. in the cartoon Robotech, there's a, uh, a character, um, I'm Googling it, uh, Lancer. And mm-hmm. Lancer was a pilot in the Robotech expedition forces. He joined a rebel group seeking to free Earth from the alien invasion. To go undetected from the invid forces, uh, he disguised himself as a woman. And most of this cartoon was this man dressed as a woman right. in hiding. And I never thought a thing about it when I was a kid. I, I was just like, mm. but it was literally like, there's an actual article here saying, you know, Robotech gave us a drag queen back in the eighties. I'm like, yeah, it did. Yeah. But I didn't yeah. hear anyone talking about it in the eighties. And in, in, at least in the, the vitriol that I hear today, when something like <laughs> the little mermaid comes out, you know? Oh goodness. The people with what they're saying, I'm just, 
it makes me sick. I, for one, am excited to see it. I can't wait. (laughs) That was always my favorite, you know. But everybody probably as a child watched The Wizard of Oz. I don't guess as many people read the books. Well, if you read the books and read the series, one of the very first transgender characters is in the Wizard of Oz series. The Princess Ozma has to hide from the people hunting her, and she lives her life transformed as a young man. Of course, we haven't studied all literature, but people say that's about the first instance of a pure transgender character. And, I mean, that was written, I believe, in the 1800s, wasn't it? I'm sure if we historians have could go back and pick out a lot more instances sure. or examples, but yeah. I'm sure they could, because like I said, we haven't studied all literature and, but I mean, just that tells us it's been around for forever and people had no problem with it. It's when it becomes visible that yeah. they have a problem with it. There have been trans people for forever. There have been gay people forever. Everybody, every family tree has the one bachelor uncle who never got married. Mm -hmm. Every family tree has the one maiden aunt who lived with her best friend for 50 years. And every adult in those families knew those people were gay, but they were quiet about it. They lived their life. They went through their day to day and they passed away without making any noise. It's now that we're making noise that we're pushing back, that we're saying, hey, I'm here, I'm queer, I'm LGBT, you have to acknowledge my existence. And that frightens people. Change always frightens people. And that's why they're pushing back now, because they're scared of us. They're scared of change. They're scared of change. And we are changed. Trans is literally change i mean that's that's what it means you transform into something different i feel like we've taken a step back and i think we are right now the rocky horror picture show was huge in my childhood (laughs) like that was a huge thing and people loved it the 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 theaters would be sold out replaying that thing endlessly and right Look at look at the band Kiss. Some of my teachers in high school were huge Kiss fans, and they would paint their faces and go to those concerts. Didn't think a thing about putting on makeup, you know. But if you said, "Hey, would you want to wear a little concealer?" You're kind of looking, you know, your eyes are baggy. They would have been appalled. Had no problem putting on full face makeup to go see Kiss. Yeah. I mean, those. Um, you were talking about earlier you know drag queens and such and you know the cartoon with the man you know pretending to be a woman i mean look at um mash they had basically a man in drag tootsie was a big movie when it's played for humor they're okay with it a lot of times but when it's you know serious and saying this is who i am it, it frightens them change frightens people Outside of uh, the LGBT community, I remember the movie Easy Rider. Uh, oh, yeah. And they're literally murdered by people that are calling them long hairs. You know, they're like, oh, you're you're this rebel long hair and our society can't deal with somebody like you. 
And that's all straight cisgendered white men who are being like murdered because they look different and appear different. And if that's, you know, it's a fictional movie, but it was definitely influenced by the time and the reality at, you know, at that point. And I can just imagine how much worse it is now for somebody that wants to identify differently when this is how we will treat somebody who just has long hair and now it's like oh you have makeup on you have long hair i mean i grew up listening to the cure robert smith wore makeup and had crazy hair and fingernail polish and i was just and i I think also it's because like robert smith you know he's a musician he's away you know he's he's one of those haughty weird types you know everybody knows celebrities are weird it's okay for them to do it it's not okay for my son to do it they see a big difference in celebrity just having fun and you know your your son actually if your son turned out to be robert smith you know they might they probably throw a fit because they're frightened of it they don't want anything that might upset them they don't there's a power difference yeah we all we all understand this so i won't get into it much because it's one of those things that could be another big conversation but we know there is a power discrepancy between male and female we know there's a power discrepancy between straight and um gay when you start to lose power and privilege you get scared because nobody wants to be the underdog They're afraid that if gay people and trans people get more power, that means straight people will have less power. Instead of raising them up, they're afraid that they are going to be lowered. Yeah, and it's more about just fair, just equal, fair. We just want the equal rights straight people have. We want the right to get married and be as miserable as everybody else. And it was when I lived in California um, back in like the early 2000s, California being very progressive with gay marriage and uh, domestic partners and stuff. And I was living with this girl and I I got a job and I was, I had health insurance and I was like, I want to cover her too, but we're not married. And they're like, oh no, you can add her as like a domestic partner. I was like, oh great, like that's that's something the the gay rights community has pushed forward, has helped me even, and that's what equality looks like, you know. And again, not to go off about health insurance coverage, but why can't I cover somebody, anyone I want, you know, my niece or some the random old man down the the hallway? Like if I want to cover him under my health insurance so he can go get his heart transplant, why can't I do that? And it's just all about this weird control in our society. Sorry, that's a little bit of a rant there, but. (laughs) You're right. If there's a man down the street that needs a heart transplant and you want to put him on your insurance, your insurance payments are going to go up. You're willing to pay those insurance going up. Why can't you put him on there? You know, then you have every right to, in my opinion. And only family members are allowed in hospitals, we'll say. They've changed that now, but for a while, only family members are allowed in your hospital room. Mm -hmm. Just because someone's blood related to you doesn't mean you want them in your hospital room. Our society puts a lot of emphasis on family. And that's good. A lot of people love their family. I love my family. People they choose to be family is just as important as people who are related to you by blood. I mean, your family 
no matter how much you love them, that's an accident of genetics. Yeah. You might have a family that you'd absolutely never speak to, if, yeah. but, but you have people in your life that you absolutely love. And if they're hurt in an accident, a few years ago, you couldn't see them in the hospital until gay people pushed to allow non-blood-related family, even though you might love him like a brother, you couldn't get in there because you're not related by blood. And that's just kind of ridiculous. Yeah. People don't see that. They they reject it because, like you said, they're scared of change. They can't even acknowledge positive change with that that comes along with it. And uh, I mean, a, a lot of people think it's kind of silly and think, oh, well, you're just nitpicking things. But I don't see any reason for there to not be allowed to have marriage equality because marriage ought to be a civil it is a civil it's a civil procedure a marriage yeah. is a church doesn't have to allow gay people to be married if we which we have in marriage equality now but that was one of the big arguments against it was oh well my church doesn't allow for gay marriage we don't want to perform gay marriages that doesn't mean a gay couple shouldn't be allowed to be married at the courthouse. I told you I was raised Catholic. And when I was married, I had a big Catholic wedding. I think two and a half hours. I will never do that again. I tell you that. <laughs> yeah. It was a religious ceremony. But there was a several month process where we had to go through the church to be allowed to get married. Even a straight couple would not be allowed to walk in off the street in a Catholic church and say, hey, we want to get married. The priest wouldn't do it. They wouldn't give them the rights in Catholicism. It's a sacred right. And if you haven't been through that process, they're going to tell you no. So if a church can turn down a straight couple that wants to get married, then let them turn down a gay couple, but allow the gay couple to get married under civil law just tell them it's okay your church doesn't want to perform ceremonies for gay marriage perfectly fine for us but there is no argument someone could make for not allowing it under civil law in my opinion and why does the church have any say in something like that when marriage is pretty much based in a <laughs> transactional origin it was a business transaction between two families nothing to do with religious beliefs it was how can i further my family's wealth i'm going to marry you because our farms are connected that's yeah. how you know in the 1800s 1700s that's how people got married it wasn't because they fell in love it was because i have a 20 acre farm you have a 20 acre farm let's get married and have a 40 acre farm it, it was business transactional and arranged marriages it's just hypocritical to me when I hear pushback from especially religious groups like, oh, well, this is against our religion. I'm like, well, there's a hundred other things that are against your religion when it comes to marriage. And like, what, what about people getting married and immediately getting divorced like the next day? I, I don't hear any issues with that. I don't hear any issues about arranged marriages. I don't hear any issues about people that get married that aren't religious. It's a cherry picked 
issue that just upsets me to no end because if I take a small government perspective, like a conservative (laughs) claims, I'm like, well, why would you want the government to regulate people's lives more? I thought you were wanting less regulation. I thought you wanted less laws. You know, if you were truly a, I just want to sit on my porch with my shotgun, get off my land person, then why do you want the government to go to somebody else's porch and tell them what they can and can't do? Britney Spears is a straight woman, and she married someone, I think, for 72 hours, and then they had it annulled. Why was her 72-hour straight marriage more valid than a gay couple who have been together for 40 years? Yeah. If you want to talk about how it uh, destroys the value of marriage, I mean, I think, you know, 72 hours is like, okay, that's that's really just pissing all over the sanctity of marriage or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, but she's straight, so it's okay. Yeah. Poor old Whitney Spears. She's got more problems than, than we got time to unravel. <laughs> yeah. You're right. A, a gay couple that has been together for 40 years, their love is every bit as valid as a straight couple who has been together 40 years. And it's certainly more valid than a couple that got drunk in Vegas and said, you know what? We met yesterday. Let's do this thing. Let's get married. I don't want to put anyone's relationship down, but if you just met them in 12 hours and get married, I'm not quite sure that's, you know, that's the argument for straight marriage you want to make. I I don't hear the uh, outrage about 90-day fiancé either. Exactly. (laughs) There should be some outrage about it. I've seen a couple episodes, and it kind of makes me outraged. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. It makes me think I'm glad I'm not getting married again. (laughs) Oh, but it's. God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Okay, we won't even get into the evolution of it all. But if you, if you believe in biblical marriage, then then God definitely did not only create one woman for one man. King Solomon had like 900 wives. People traded their daughters for, you know, horses and stuff. That's what a lot of biblical marriage is. People should never, ever try to make the argument biblical marriage is one man and one woman because it is certainly not. (laughs) And the whole, just the concept of it's not Adam and Steve or God didn't create Adam and Steve. Well, actually he did. He did create Adam and he did create Steve. And and you can't exclude Steve because he he exists. (laughs) And I think that's kind of the whole crux of the the conversation of the, the transgender debate is Steve exists. Don't exclude him. <laughs> Just, you know, however Steve identifies. Go ahead. I was going to say, and, and minors, people that are under 18, can have cosmetic surgery. Right. If they want. I mean, they, sometimes they have to get permission from their parents, but you can go have cosmetic surgery under the age of 18 right now. I don't hear anyone complaining about that or pushing back on that. And- Cosmetic surgery is every bit as life-changing as going through a a surgery uh, to, you know, a a um, gender-affirming surgery. And most people that are against gender-affirming surgery don't really understand what it is. 
there's a big taboo against asking trans people about their genitals, and there should be. We shouldn't have any, there's no reason to ask anybody about what's in their pants. That's their own business. But you see these people, they think that they are undergoing huge genital reassignment surgery when they, they deliberately use words to frighten people. Anyone under 18 is a child. Their brains aren't fully formed. But when they say our children are under attack, they are performing intense sexual surgeries on children. They want you to imagine a four or five-year-old, and they're simply not doing that. The word child, a 16-year-old is a child. No question about it. A 16-year-old is a child. But but they can chop off my foreskin when I'm like a tiny toddler. (laughs) Technically, that's genital mutilation, but that's totally acceptable. Okay. (laughs) When they say they're performing sex reassignment surgeries on children, they want you to picture an elementary school child. They don't use the word teenager because they know teenager sounds closer to adult and child makes you think of an elementary school child. Yeah. And right. this, this is something new, but I mean, even when it comes to cosmetic surgery, that even in the beginning, that was really frowned upon. And, and even to this day, I, I, you know, you read comments like those aren't real, you know, she had those done, whatever. And it's just like, well, but why does it matter if this person feels like a breast enhancement or this thing makes them feel better as a person, we don't push back on them for that. I mean, as long as it makes you happy and you do it for you, that's wonderful. About cosmetic surgery, if I had the money for it, I would take in a picture of Leonardo DiCaprio from Titanic and just go to my doctor and say, make me this. They would say, you're about a foot too short and 20 years too late. And I'd be like, don't care. Make me that. (laughs) You know, that's who I want to be. Make me that. Why is it acceptable? We'll say you've, you've thought about it. You want to have a nose job. You go to your doctor. You tell him, I want a nose job. He lets you have one if you've got the money to pay for it, no problem. They don't make you live as a smaller-nosed person for a year, but they make transgender people live and try to pass as the other gender for a year. And I think just hopefully with time, any all of this will become more acceptable because if you truly do believe in individual freedoms, well, then as as an individual, I should be able to do with my body whatever I want. There are a subculture of people who want to do body modifications, extreme body modifications. They have some people have their tongues split so that they, you know, have forked tongues. Some people have their ears done so they're elf ears with the points. If that's what you want to do with your body, you should have every right to do that. That's your choice. But nobody is saying, you want your tongue split for I don't I don't know about that. You must have a mental illness. I, I'm gonna make a law passing that you absolutely cannot do that. Yeah. If you want to do that, go ahead. We're not regulating cisgender bodies. Yeah. We but we are regulating trans bodies. And women's bodies, but yeah. And women's bodies. Oh <laughs> yeah. goodness. Oh gosh. It's a whole other <laughs> bag of worms we won't go into. <laughs> yeah. When we were speaking earlier of the gender 
classes, I guess you'd call them, you know, the therapy I took, it taught women to be more submissive. It taught the women to be more, they wouldn't use the word submissive, but really that's what it was because that's how our society is. If you walked into a women's restroom, there might be a woman in there that says something to you, but most would not because women are taught to be polite and not to upset someone. The detective came and knocked on the door and I said, is it Renee? And he just gave me that solemn look. It was the worst day ever. The Proof Podcast is back with a new case and a new season. 23 years ago, 18-year-old Renee Ramos went missing. Her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town. I don't think that they arrested the right people. It's about time somebody's trying to do something. She had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered. They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof, wherever you get your podcasts. And follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee? American Criminal is a new true crime podcast from the studio behind American Scandal and American History Tellers. Every week, you'll fall deeper into the riveting stories of the country's most clever, craven, and cruel criminals. Fraud, theft, murder, and worse. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the whole story until now. The debut season tackles one of the most sensational cases of the 20th century, the Menendez murders. In 1989, young Lyle and Eric Menendez brutally shot their own parents. Prosecutors and the press said it was a multi-million dollar inheritance that led two greedy rich kids to murder. But the picture-perfect facade this Hollywood family built hid troubling abuse. Could these teenagers have been driven to kill? Or was it even in self-defense? Listen now. Go to AmericanCriminal.com or search for and follow American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. That's, and I, I just assume, like, wh- why did that work then? Why wasn't, you know, why didn't people think, oh, two men can't sleep in the same bed? Or it's so weird how social norms have changed and how more oppressive they've become over the like the last you know 50 years 100 years whereas before it wasn't so strict it wasn't so uh you need to separate these people and and it's always trans women that the argument is mostly against and it's not trans men because they're like oh well you're not dangerous you're not you're not a threat so i don't care it's always trans women that is the the focus. I seriously think it's visibility. I mean, I'm not a psychologist. I don't have any degree in like women's studies or gender studies or anything. So I'm not an expert on it. But in my humble opinion, I think it's visibility. I think they have the problem with the people being out. I think that it's okay when it's just something fun, you know, when it's just when it's just that one bachelor uncle that everybody talks about, that's okay. We're used to him. But it's it's when it, they're visible and when they demand their rights, 
I think people are so afraid that they will lose their position of privilege. They are so afraid that to lift someone up means they have to come down. You don't have to come down at all to lift someone up. And But I think that society is afraid it has to. And I think the more visible people get, the more pushback there is. Uh, There's a meme. I, I've seen it. A little quote meme. And it says, straight men are afraid of gay men hitting on them because they're afraid gay men will treat them like they treat women. Wow. Do you ever watch Saturday Night Live? Yeah, yeah. A few years ago, um, they had the funniest skit on there. And it was called Manscaped. Or, no, that's a, that's a company. It was something like that. And it was makeup for men. And it was hilarious because it was blusher and lipstick and concealer. And they used all of these violent terms. They had blush in a gun. You know, he, yeah. was, he was rubbing blush on his face, you know, and it, it was, but he was coming out of a gun and they had an eyeshadow palette called like pizza supreme for men eyeshadow. And it was hilarious. And if you watch it on YouTube, you can see people's comments. And this one woman had commented on it. She said she was, she said she thought the skit was hilarious because it was true. She was a wedding photographer. And when you have your picture taken under lights, your worst features come up. You know, I mean, when you're under those hot lights, she said she would ask men, would you like to wear wear concealer and all the, you know, like grooms and groomsmen, they'd be like, no, I'm not putting on makeup. She'd come back a little later and say, I've got some skin correction. Would, would you like to put that on? And they were perfectly okay with it because it wasn't makeup. It was the exact same thing, but you couldn't call it concealer because women wear concealer, but men could wear skin corrector. That was just fine. <laughs> think about it when you would you talked about watching um superheroes cartoons and stuff imagine you know back when that was first starting getting popular somebody had a wonderful idea and what that wonderful idea was he took dolls and started calling them action figures yep. people don't think about that but what's an action figure it's a doll you know boys play with dolls all the time no, they don't. My son plays with action figures. That's a doll. That <laughs> somebody doubled their market rate by yeah. calling them action figures, though. Just, <laughs> just gave I it a gun it. and some missiles. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I had, uh, you know, I had GI Joe action figures. I had uh, exactly, Star yeah. Wars. I had even He-Man uh, stuff. So, I mean, I had my Castle Grayskull and all this stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> I had Castle Grayskull also. <laughs> Was that was that just part of the gay agenda to like you know the trap door like trap you into the gay agenda or something like that? I don't know. I work from home. I work remotely um, because they closed our office because they were going to put in a new road and the road they were going to put in went right through our office. Yeah. <laughs> so they sent us all home and we work remotely. Before that happened, you know, we, we worked in this office and there was one bathroom downstairs for the men and it only it was like what you're talking about, just an enclosed bathroom. And then upstairs there was a women's bathroom and it had several stalls in it. And that was because in my job, 
there was just many, many more women that worked there. They needed more, more room. Well, something happened one day and the men's restroom got clogged. They couldn't use it. So, of course, the men had to use the women's restroom. So the supervisors put a list of times you could go in there, women at this time, men at this time. And to me, that was the dumbest thing I had ever heard. I told my adults, no one is working here who is under the age of 20. Most of us here are in our 30s and 40s. Every one of us has seen a penis before. Why in the world are we doing that? And my boss is an openly gay man. He's almost as flamboyant as me. He ignored the whole thing. When he needed to take a pee, he'd just go in there and give a rat's ass who was in there. Well, I mean, if if I have to go to the bathroom, I got to go to the bathroom. I'm not waiting until two o'clock to do it <laughs> it's just you know it's oh it's, oh, it's two o'clock man i have to wait to 2 15 because it's the men's time right now yeah. and that, to me that was ridiculous i mean there were stalls anyway so if you didn't want to see a penis it wasn't like there was urinals there it was all stalls you didn't have to to me for us every single person in that building being an adult i thought that was the dumbest thing ever now I'm probably going to be fired when my boss hears this. And then I'll be surprised because I'll be like, I didn't know you listened to the show. Cool. What are you talking about? <laughs> but, you know, that's that's just that's just one of the pushbacks is these um, single sex spaces. And I'm thinking there there are solutions here if you do want to keep everyone separated. Well, you just have separate bathrooms, private bathrooms for everybody. And it doesn't matter if uh, who is walking in and out because you just don't mix any of it. That's fine. But I think most of us are adults and I actually have bathroom phobias. I don't like going to the bathroom around other people. So I prefer private bathrooms where it's only one toilet or one stall that's completely enclosed. So if we have that it doesn't matter who's in the bathroom. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a, a gender specific bathroom or not, because nobody sees each other. We're all separated anyways, because I want my privacy when I'm in a bathroom. So I guess I don't have, you know, my opinion is I think all bathrooms should be private and, and enclosed spaces. And I don't want to hear anyone else's bodily noise and I don't want them to hear mine, but that's just me, you know, <laughs> there isn't any widespread bathroom attacks that are happening especially from the trans community that just it doesn't exist it would be a little shocking at first but everyone would get used to it when i was at uni our pride organization had a drag show at least once a year and that was our fundraiser you paid to come and then if you tipped the drag queens the drag queens were allowed to keep about 50 percent of what they earned and the other 50 percent went to our group And we had a few trans men who would come in drag. You know, that would be the one time that they put on the beard and everything. Well, my friend Claire walked into the bathroom one time and just stopped all of a sudden because she saw a man at the, you know, mirror. And it took a second, you know, because for a second it was shocking. But I'm telling you, um, the man, my friend Jacob, Oh, that was one of the first times he passed and he was so excited. That was the best moment of his life that she had stopped at the mirror for, you know, had stopped just for a second 
and that was the best moment of Jacob's life, I think, up to that point. <laughs> I, it's it's funny and, and ridiculous though because I I go to these music or I used to go to these music festivals. Like I didn't go to Burning Man, but I would go to smaller versions of Burning Man. A lot of them had bathrooms and stuff and <laughs> and clothing was optional so you have nudists and hippies there uh all the bathrooms were gender neutral so you had naked men and women and trans folk all coming into the bathrooms together to take shits next to each other there was never a problem <laughs> it was never an issue and i i would say that i was more taken aback by the nudists than I was taken aback by going into a bathroom and sharing space with women or men or whatever, you know. <laughs> Have you ever read any book by the author Silas House? No, I have not. He is an author, and he recently came out. He's older than me, and I actually had the privilege of studying with him when I was at uni, so that was wonderful. Mm -hmm. But he recently, in the last five years, has come out, and he's beginning to write stories with more gay characters in it. But he grew up in a very small town in Kentucky. He's not from the same town I'm from, but similar, you know, very small, very rural. And his first book, when it came out, he was got to go on a national book tour and so many people read his book and there are two male characters in it who are good friends and they slept in the same bed and so many people in big cities like new york and california said were you trying to imply something did you mean these two characters were gay is that a subtext and he's like no, we were poor. We had one bed. You slept in the same bed with me. It was a sleepover. Yeah. I mean, growing up, going camping and stuff, you you peed in the woods. And if your cousin who was male had to pee at the same time, you peed next to him in the woods so you both wouldn't step on a snake. Yeah. We have seen both sexes pee at the same time and nobody was hurt <laughs> that's that's just the way it is yeah. but then you ask these rural these rural people i grew up sleeping in the same bed as claire when we would have sleepovers all the time nothing sexual ever happened we weren't attracted to each other and i know i know for a fact some of the people i went to school with who would tell you they are against gay marriage against gay rights did the same thing, had sleepover, slept in the same bed and never thought a thing about it because that's just the way it's done. I have bad depression. I'm on medication for depression and my, my depression has to do with a lot of things, but being queer is not it. That is probably the least of my depression. The people I've met, the person I've met as myself I've met Holden, and I'm just like, hey, you're pretty cool. You're rather weird and have a Minnie Mouse voice, but I like you. There's been nothing like it. I, I can't describe how wonderful it has been to be out. Yeah. Even if I am the the lesser of all the trans boys, all when in when I was in Pride, all my trans friends they called. I was older than most of them, but they called me the little brother because I was just such so flamboyant and so such a girl that you know they always they called me trans light <laughs> oh so but I, I think it's important to 
put it out there, like make sure you're safe or in a safe environment first, because. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. unfortunately there are people who can't be out. It might be because of the laws in their country. It might be because of their family members. And I understand that. And I sympathize before you come out to anyone do take a step back and say, am I safe? Will I be safe? Yeah. If the answer is yes, come out if the answer is no then look at resources and until you can get safe talk to somebody who will help you uh someone in authority a teacher a clergy member someone in authority who can help you they have you know the trevor project they can point you to good resources but if you're not safe don't come out if you know you will be hurt, it's a terrible thing not to be able to come out. I wish everyone could, but everyone's safety is first and foremost. Yeah. And that's, that's the terrible part is, you know, mm -hmm. the, you feel you are being oppressed. You are holding back. You are holding back yourself mm -hmm. and your true self. And you can't live that way. You can't live hap happily that way. And right. And sadly, no matter who, you know, it's most people are very supportive. Most people are going to be very understanding and most people are not going to be surprised or taken aback by what you say. And, and it sucks though, that there are some people that aren't going to be happy about your successes either. You'll, you'll learn who your real friends are and who your support are when you do. You learn real, real fast. <laughs> oh, yeah, you will learn real fast. And one thing that is very good for young people now is the Internet. The Internet is your greatest resource. If you are in a position where you cannot come out to your people, the Internet is wonderful. There are so many supportive places on the Internet. Some of my best friends I've never met in real life, you know. Uh, I know they're always like, we spend too much time on the internet. We need to, you know, personal interactions. Those people on the internet are real people. You know, I mean, some of the, I have talked to some of the people in our group and I love them like I love the people I see every day. You know, find, you can find a place people like, oh, the internet's accessible. Don't go to places like Reddit. Don't worry about the big places, one <laughs> the smaller ones. Yeah. You know, sign up for Facebook. As bad as it is, sign up for Facebook and look for LGBTQ groups. I'm in several LGBT groups that are real small and the people love each other. You know, I mean, we we talk to each other every day. I don't because I'm antisocial. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, you will find people there who are so supportive and so wonderful and can point you in the right directions, you know. And you will find someone like me that's, if you've got questions, most people, their their lives are private and they have every right to have their lives private. But you're going to run across someone like me that says, ask me about my genitals. I don't care what to tell you, you know. Yeah. And got questions there are people like me who have no problems asking them in fact i tell you in too much detail by the time i get done talking to you you'll be like i never want to hear about your imaginary penis again holding shit up no it's true and uh there's i just love the silence after that and you're like yeah, now we're gonna start talking about his fake penis yay <laughs>
no i was i was just thinking about you know the the safe spaces that you can find to be yourself and uh and the peripheral group is very much a a accepting oh it's wonderful some of the people in there are absolutely absolutely wonderful they're so accepting and uh it's funny because you're like, I'm antisocial. I don't, you know, post a lot, but I'm like, actually you do. And if you're considered antisocial, then I am like non-existent <laughs> antisocial because I've kind of removed myself from social media a lot because it's just, uh, it's not the best place. And it, it can be damaging. It can be damaging. And people people forget that there are real people at the end of it, you know. Yeah. I I never leave reviews on anything because somebody's put their heart and soul into that work. And maybe that work sucks. But they put their heart and soul in it and there's no reason to get on there and be like gee whiz this was the worst book i ever read i used to on goodreads i would leave reviews because i love books books are my passion i love to write i love to read and i loved talking with other people about books you know books that were great books that changed my life books that were so terrible you know i can't believe it got published but I don't do that anymore because there's such a small chance of any author seeing it, but that could still happen. And I don't want somebody reading that the book they worked 10 years of their life on was the worst shit I ever read. You know, I'm just like, if you ask me, I'll tell you, don't bother reading that one, but I'm not going to put it online where someone can see it. I I don't see any reason to be, hurtful yeah it is it when you know there is an actual individual on the other side of that it's it's this why why make the the world a more hateful place i mean if you want to go leave some big corporate company a bad review that's fine because nobody cares at that company but if it's an author or a podcaster i know people consider me to be a huge podcaster but I drive in a I drive an Elantra. I, I I will read it myself. I don't have a PR person or a whole marketing group to shelter me from the hate and the negativity. So I just yeah. read, you know, I just don't read them anymore because I'm just like, well, most of them are good, but this one person's gonna say that I I have the peripheral because I just want to hear myself talk. I don't even care about my guests or I just want to talk over my guests. I mean, there's shit like that out there. And I'm just like, okay, I don't need to read that because it's not true. (laughs) You know how ridiculous that is. Yeah. I mean, if if they knew you, they would know how, how utterly ridiculous that is. I, I never ever leave negative reviews on anything anymore unless it is something that utterly offends me now like i've i've seen reviews from i have this this podcast i listen to i love it cracks me up it's a true crime podcast and it's it's a comedy podcast and it is hilarious the two women on it get off on tangents all the time Mm -hmm. and people will leave them bad reviews about them getting on tangents stick to the subject just tell us the story the tangents don't bother me a bit if it did i wouldn't listen to it if they did bother me 
I would never leave a review. I just simply wouldn't listen to it anymore. You, you know, would, you would find it, a podcast that you relate to or enjoy. You wouldn't go I, off on I, one. You, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't see any reason to say these people won't stick to the topic. So I'm giving them a one star review. Just find a different podcast. If they these two women are very open and very um, liberal support gay rights yeah if they had ever said i think gay people should be stoned then hell yes i would leave them a bad review yeah they're never going to say nothing like that it's it's gotta be it's gotta be very totally offensive something totally offensive if it's just something that's an annoying i don't like i delete that podcast and move on i work in data entry so i have about eight hours a day to watch youtube and to listen to podcasts while i work so i have probably 50 podcasts on my podcatcher that i scroll to and listen to and you know if i decide i don't like one i delete it and go on there's Mm -hmm. always something else why spend the it it's I don't know. Maybe it's because I have depression and don't have motivation, but it takes a lot for me to get up and write a great review about a podcast I love that I wish everybody listened to. I'm sure I'm not going to take the time to write about what I hate. Why bother? Why take your 10 minutes a day and do that? It just doesn't make any sense to me. If it's something egregiously bad, then I I understand the bad. If it was something totally, totally offensive, if they were like, you know what, this Black Lives Matter stuff, just can't get behind it. Just, you know, we should be completely separate races. Yes, I would leave them a negative review. It's just, what? what a waste of time. Yeah, and I've heard it all. You know, between reviews and hate mail and messages, direct messages, and just comments out on Reddit, I've heard it all. I've been I've been called every name. Uh, I've been called sexist, racist, uh, everything. I, I I've been called like a cop hater and then a you know a libtard, all of it. And after a while, it all loses its meaning. You know, if you call somebody a racist or you call somebody whatever. And now that term is just thrown around so loosely, it loses its power because it's like, okay, well that used to be a bad thing, but now we can label anyone and everyone that way. It doesn't mean anything anymore. (laughs) It's Feminazi. Feminazi. Hate that because Nazis and feminists, totally different. You don't have to like feminists. But you cannot compare them to Nazis because there is no comparison. Yeah. And and with the reviews, you were saying people call you libtard and then, you know, like pop lover and stuff. You can't, you you read things like that and they'll be like, he's a libtard or he's one of those MAGA heads. And you're like, how can I be both? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I want the two sides to to fight it out to the death and then let me know which one I am because I (laughs) used to have celebrity death match, you know, Um, they had the clay figures. It's just Mm -hmm. like, I want to put them both in there and and see, because I can't figure out how I am both. And I, I do, I do want to always get better. And I think Aaron and I always try to listen, listen to at least constructive criticism and not, hateful criticism uh and we we do try to be more inclusive we don't try to upset anyone and there are words that when we started over 10 years ago Mm -hmm. 
that have changed now. And we were like, okay, well, thanks for letting us know. If you let me know in a very nice, professional, positive manner, I'll know. And I'm not it, it, even outside of gender identity. Like I didn't yeah. know that the term prostitute at the time was very mm-hmm. derogatory. I didn't know that um, committed suicide was not how you should say it. it's completed suicide or just they killed themselves or took their own life and little things like that. I'm like, Oh, okay. Got it. Like I have no problem shifting my words to accommodate this. So it doesn't hurt or offend. I, I don't have a problem with it. It's the people that just come at you with just, you're a terrible person because you said this. And it's like, I didn't know that was a bad thing until right now. <laughs> you know? I told you, I love to write. It's my favorite thing. I have a whole cast of characters, their own little soap opera. You know, I mean, it's a whole world populated with everything from, you know, serial killers and, you know, people that can use magic down to, you know, regular teenage drama stuff. I have a whole little world. And I had a character named Gypsy because I didn't know it was offensive. And I mean, I watched the movie Gypsy and I thought that is a beautiful name. Now, maybe my work will never be published. You know, maybe 90% of it's just for me. And the character Gypsy was in a little story that was just for me that will probably never be published. Then I learned Gypsy was an offensive term. Now, if no one's going to read this character, no one's going to know what she does, no one's going to do it, I could have left that. But it bothered me. I didn't want to be offensive even if no one ever found out I was accidentally offensive. So I changed her name to Ginger. She's mm-hmm. the same character. Everything's the same. But I felt better knowing that I was not oppressing another group now. I chose that name completely because I thought it was beautiful. I had no idea it was a slur when I chose it. Yeah. And it just didn't feel right. No one may ever read that story. In fact, I would say there's a very low possibility because when I submit my work, she's not one of my main characters. So I'd say there's a low possibility of anyone ever meeting you know, this fictional character. But for me, I couldn't leave it. I had to change it because I just Using it and knowing it was a slur, even if no one ever saw it, I couldn't live with myself if I had left it. Because you just figured that out on your own, it's it's fine. And if you had posted a blog or posted it out there and then somebody wrote you an email saying, hey, by the way, that name or that term, not really great these days. You'd be like, oh, shit, sorry. Like, I didn't know. Yeah, I'm so it's, sorry. Right. It's just the... The, the hateful email, the vitriol of you are bigoted, you are prejudiced, you are these things because you use this name. No, I'm simply an uneducated human being. If yeah. you correct me, I won't do it again. Yeah. And that's, I, I guess I just wish that people would be a little bit more understanding and educational or informative as opposed to shaming because if somebody comes at anyone, you know, you, me, whoever, and they come at you with hostility, you're more prone to dig your heels in than, yeah, you, exactly. are, yes. than, than you are to listen. But the people on the other end of the keyboard, they, I don't think, see that the person they're talking to is real. 
because they'll never meet them because they never see them. It's easy to say, I'm not talking to a real person. You know, it. a lot of things they say online, they would never say to their face. Are there people who would look at me and yell, hey, faggot? Absolutely. Most people who would say it online would never say it to my face because they're cowards. Absolutely agree. And there are several people that uh, have said some pretty nasty things to me online. And I'm just Mm -hmm. waiting for the day where I might cross paths with them because I'm going to go up and say, say it now and see what they say, because I know I guarantee that they're going to get really uncomfortable, feel very intimidated and want to get away from me because and and slink away with their tail between their legs exactly there are certainly people who would say it to your face 90 percent of them wouldn't because they're cowards it's easy it's easy to pretend the man you're listening to but will never see never meet isn't real he's not a real person it's a podcast he's not a real person and it's all part of the the dehumanization and whether it's just some random podcaster such as myself or a trans woman, right. don't, don't ever dehumanize somebody because even the people that have said the nastiest things to me, I know they're still a person. I know there's still somebody there. And regardless of what they've said to me, I still care about them as a human being. Right. And- I, I, I want everyone to have the same rights just like when you know circling back to what we were talking about earlier you know uh, with the toxic people it's like i want you to have the same rights i'm going to support you i'm going to support you over here because i don't like you as a person (laughs) but i still think you deserve basic human rights just because i never want to interact with you doesn't mean i think you are less of a person the old, I mean, I was in the military for a while. So everyone's like, oh, you're in the military. So you fought for our rights. And I'm like, well, technically when you're in the military, you don't really fight for anyone's rights. You just do whatever the government tells you. But with that sentiment, with that idea of I'm fighting for your rights, it's like, yeah. And I fought for every American citizen's rights. If you want to put it that way, whether they are Catholic or trans or black, didn't matter to me if I accepted that concept of I'm fighting for your rights, then it's everyone's rights and there's no divide here. And people are getting more and more divided. That's social media is a wonderful thing. You can find the best people on there. And if you come from a small town, like I did finding groups of people who are like the peripheral group. Mm-hmm. I would have, I would never meet half of them people in real life. I'll never meet a hundred percent of them in real life because I don't leave my house if at all possible. Um, but and if we didn't have social media, I would never have met any of them, and my life would be a lot emptier without them. But it can also be a cesspool. We have to work on seeing the humanity in people we do not see and do not know. America has to work on this. We can't we need to turn off the 24-hour news yeah. because no matter what news channel you watch, no matter if it's conservative or liberal, their job, they're a business. Do they want to tell you the truth? Most of them, yeah. 
but they also want to make money because they want to stay in business. And if pushing people apart makes them more money, that's what they're going to do because it is a business. We need to talk to people. And if, if the only trans person you ever meet is a trans person online, talk to them and get to know them. Don't just listen to what the news and what the media tells you about trans people. If you know a trans person in real life, introduce yourself. If you don't know any, find somebody online and just say, hey, could you talk to me about it? And if they tell you, you know, I'm sorry, it's personal, that's okay. Find some resources. Try the Trevor Project. Um, there's all, put in trans in Google and see what comes up. PFLAG. We have to learn about each other from each other. And we need to stop being so divided. I'm glad we, we hit on those topics because it was something that I thought about a lot but when i asked you to come on the show it wasn't on the forefront of my brain when we first started talking and i was like oh no this is a perfect segue into what i have always been thinking about and i'm glad we hit it (laughs) is there anything you want to ask me about i mean i'll I will tell you pretty much anything. I can't think of a single thing that's awesome. I was wanting you to tell your story, and, and that was really the, the part that I, I wanted you to get, get across. And I don't know if you have felt like you've talked enough about your story, if there's more things you wanted to share. I've talked about myself for the, till the end of time. <laughs> I, 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 I can talk. I am my own favorite subject.